It is a Wednesday, July the 24th. Welcome to Two Guys, One Cup, an AFL podcast. My name is Will Anderson. And my name is Charlie Clawson. And I'm laughing because before we record every week, our producer Mike Howell will always make sure that Will's had a sip of his drink and knows the date because the other two things he's fucked up more than anything on the show. And this time you introduced a third element, which was adjusting your screen moments before you had to talk. (laughs) I decided you needed some more brightness, Charlie. I normally like to operate on a bit of a dim view of the world. Mm. I like my screen view to match the overall outlook look I have when I'm visiting Twitter or Facebook. It's a dark place, so I like a dark screen. Every time I read the news, it's a dark place, so I like a dark screen. This, This week when I've been reviewing the weekend of AFL football, it's been a dark place for me, so I had a dark screen. But I thought, you know what? I'm staring at Charlie and he's going to be surrounded by brightness and positivity, so I have to adjust my screen to match his mood. So uh, I'm not going to speak for the rest of the podcast, Charlie. Over to you and your good times. <laughs> well, what a difference a, a week makes. Yes, of course, uh, last round was the uh, uh, annual Two Guys One Cup Cup. Um, finally, I think we've uh, rested it back off you guys after I think you've had it for the last two years. I don't think we've beaten you in the last four games we've played. So refreshing and, and uh, a game that we actually got to watch together uh, Sunday night on your couch. Yeah, look, I feel for Alan Richardson because I know that um, the, a lot of people are talking about the idea that, you know, his contract had a lot of triggers in it. You know, one of them was that St Kilda had to make the finals this year for him to like kind of get a renewal of his contract. But what a lot of people don't know and the reason that the sacking came at the round it did was he also had a trigger in his contract that if he got the two guys one cup cup back, <laughs> that that was a bit of... This and Kilda would settle for that silverware. Yeah, Hasn't totally. been a great time for the Saints. They're happy to be the owners of the two guys one cup cup. And uh, so I just feel bad for Richo that uh, he missed out on that. And I also feel bad that, you know... Not only has Brett Ratton come in and taken his job, but Brett Ratton's come in and taken his language. Yeah. You know, Brett Ratton's described the game as pleasing. He's described it as positive. Um, it's like they have a sheet of notes that you actually have to use when you're the uh, the coach of the St Kilda Football Club, Charlie. Yeah, I think it's a club mandate, positive and pleasing. I sent you that article. I, it was an interview with the Herald Sun, and the very last word of the article was he felt that their efforts from the first quarter were pleasing. It's like, wow. I mean... Maybe this is not a good sign. Maybe this is actually a bad sign. We tried to get away from the positive and pleasing results, but the influence is so deeply held in the club that any coach who comes on, it's kind of like, you know, uh, 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 like certain superheroes, their title is, it's like Batman. Anyone can be Batman. It is a symbol. So maybe the coach of St Gilda is simply symbolic, but anyone who comes in, it's always positive and pleasing. Well, maybe that's what the new coach has to pitch a transition away from the old St Kilda where it's all about hard P's and maybe a transition into a St Kilda where they use P's still, but they're only silent P's. So for example, you know, he might, he might suggest that, you know, the players have pneumonia. Uh, Someone's out with pneumonia. Someone's out with psoriasis. Yeah. We're trying really hard to make sure the players don't phone it in. (laughs) 
Did you see any of uh, Brett Ratton's press conference? Uh, I did see a bit of Ratz's press conference, yes. He was jubilant. Like, he seemed really happy to be there. Like, it was, it was interesting. I thought he gave a really good response at one point where someone said, uh, so, you know, did you think that uh, that time you had at Hawthorne under Alistair Clarkson, you know, and you had a lot of success, do you think that's made you better prepared for this opportunity? And he said, no, I think actually what better prepared me was the fact that I got sacked from Carlton in the first place. And I think what he's saying is that you actually learn more from the obstacles. And, you know, he's really got six weeks, well, five weeks now to kind of really audition for this job. So there's going to be no kind of, he's just got to go for it. I mean, what's he got to lose? He's been a sack coach once. He knows what, he knows what that's like. He can't be scared for it. He can just go, go for it. There's a lot of candidates for this St Kilda coaching job. Is there any value, Charlie, in mm. them all getting the job? Yes, timeshare. St Kilda went into... Yeah, so St Kilda goes into the season guaranteeing yep. 20 coaches, yep. or maybe if they make the final, say, 20, 24 coaches, mm. that uh, they will get one week at the helm and then they'll be sacked because what the players really need is to be kept on their toes. They need that, that bounce from being sacked. And so you have just a roster of coaches who are preparing... I mean, the great thing is, too, that those coaches only then have to watch one other team. Yeah. They only have to prepare for one other team, <laughs> one other club, one other conditions. So you have a specialist coach for every round of the AFL next year. I think that's going a bit too far, Will. I think you have... So how many... What, what do you think constitutes a crisis in terms of losses? Four losses in a row? Is that a crisis? When do you start needing, like, a bounce? After four losses, three okay. losses in a row. So you're, well, four losses is too many for you guys to make the finals. So how about we put in this? You give someone the coaching job, but on the proviso, if they ever lose three games in a row, they get sacked. Yeah. And then you just on. move on to the next coach in the list. Yeah. So, it's, so we have like one coach and three supplementaries. So you sort of yeah. divide it up like <laughs> roughly 22 games, roughly like a coach for every seven rounds. So yeah, so we give the job to Rats, but we have Brad Scott, Michael Voss and Robert Harvey <laughs> just on standby waiting to go. Just ready to go, but it involves Rats losing three in a row. So as long as Rats is winning uh, and they don't drop more than three in a row, all the others have to stay on the sidelines, but they're there ready to go at any stage. Now, we did watch the game together and uh, look, you were very gracious. You, uh, you were very quiet in the, first, in the first half. Then you found some voice in the third quarter when it looked like you guys were mounting a charge. But we had a lot of our own commentary going on. In fact, it is a shame we didn't record because there was a few things that caught my eye. One is, is Bevo powerlifting? Like, I've never seen a dude, like a coach who was so muscular. Like when they did that pre-game interview, we were both commenting on how his chest looks like the front of a Volkswagen. He was bursting out of his bolo. Here's what I have a problem with about that, Charlie, what? as a Bulldogs fan, that we have no players that are in that good a mix. <laughs> it's true. You're Ruckman. Your Ruckman isn't even that big. The guy who you need to be the biggest player in your team is not as big as your coach. Every one of our players looks like they're playing in the national under-18 competition. <laughs> <laughs> I have a theory that they can't get to the gym because Bevo's in there all the time. I mean, fact, a- Bevo does his coaches' meetings while he's on the... He's like just doing some deadlifts at the front of the room. It's almost like when Sid the Bulldog died, Bevo's put up his hand and said, you know what, I'll be coach and mascot. I'm going to turn myself into a human bulldog. <laughs> Bevo's like, I've agreed to a three-year extension, four more years, and then I'm going to get myself really fit and go and fight crime. I've got four more years or 28 years in doggies. 
He's got the job for another 28. Um, it was, yeah, look, we got jumped, obviously. Well, funny thing was, we were watching it, Charlie, in the first 10 minutes, it was six to eight, and it was pretty close. Yeah. And there was no real sign that in the second half of that first quarter, suddenly, like the Bulldogs were playing fine. They, their disposal wasn't great, but they were playing fine. Mm. And then St Kilda got on a roll, and we just, and I think this is the problem with A, the way the Bulldogs play, but B, the fact that we have no settled back line at all at the moment is that when a team gets on a run, we just don't have the game plan or the cattle to be able to shut them down properly. Yeah. Well, my reading, and I haven't seen a lot of the Bulldogs this year, is that the Bulldogs play that sort of high-risk, quick-movement game where you kick into open space and just rely on your leg speed and your skills to get there. But you're making a lot of mistakes. And I don't know if that was the pressure being applied or just like, but there was a lot of kicks that just were mongrel punts going nowhere. And a lot of them coming out of the back line. (laughs) Yeah, I think that uh, it was definitely had to do partly with the Saints' pressure. Like, I thought the Saints were just giving them no time to, you know, when the Bulldogs would do one of those little handballs, it would tend to go to a guy who was already about to be tackled by a Saints player. So that that mm. didn't really help. But it also felt to me like the Bulldogs were just, like that first quarter when Bontempelli didn't get it much, and then in the second quarter where they started giving it to Bontempelli, and you were like, oh yeah, he's the best kick yeah. and best player on the ground. Why isn't our entire game plan quick handballs or just see where Bondempelli is and get it to him? Yeah, I mean, that's, it's the Patrick Cripps philosophy, isn't it? In every situation, look for Patrick Cripps. That's what the Bulldogs need to adopt. I mean, it was pretty amazing at seeing... Because the other thing that was happening in the game is that you and I would make a comment and then roughly 10 seconds later, the commentary team would have make exactly the same comment. I started getting paranoid thinking that your TV was listening to us until you pointed out we were actually watching it on like a two-hour delay. Yeah, because we've been at, uh, done a live podcast for the guys at the Weekly Planet and um, we had come back, but what we managed to do was avoid the scores and we started watching the game from from the start. So we were on a delay because I was the same. We would say something and it probably happened almost 10 times where we would say something to each other and then like 30 seconds later in the commentary, they would make the exact same point. And it wasn't until I realized that that had already happened <laughs> that I was like, oh yeah, okay, good. The TV isn't listening to us and feeding information well, to Hado. Well, did it, did it, I mean, as I sort of was saying at the time, does it mean that... Uh, is everything that happens on a football field so plainly obvious that, of course, it's clear to everyone what's going on? Or are you and I just so clearly in sync with the commentary team, with Nick Revolt, Brad Johnson, and who else was it? Was it Anthony Hudson? Yeah, I think it was Hutto. Hutto, yeah. Jono, and Rui. Yeah. And So you and I, look, between I... us, have the mindset of like a, a, like a four-time All-Australian, best and fairest, six-time All-Australian, highest goal kicker, and a little uh, ventriloquist puppet. <laughs> <laughs> um, I think that, yes, we could easily be AFL commentators based on our level of expertise that we seem to be bringing to the table. There was a few <laughs> times where I was just like, oh, well, clearly at least we understand what's going on. I, I chose to t- take it as a compliment to us rather than what it probably was, which was, a real stain on the commentary of <laughs> Rui yeah. and Brad Johnson. Well, I think what it pointed out is there are certain cliches in football 
which are unavoidable. They cannot pass on comment, uncommented on. One of them, for instance, being Tory Dixon is a great set shot for goal. Yeah, look, I mean, that one, if you were going to play bingo on a game that the Bulldogs are playing, you yeah. would lock in Tory Dixon is the best shot for goal since the war or whatever the, whatever the statistic is. And we did realise when he kicked three goals from the goal square that there might be a reason he's so an, such an accurate shot in that 95% of his shots are in the goal square. Now, something else I want to talk about, which is football-related, but maybe a little football-adjacent. So after the game finished... We let the uh, recording roll on and the bounce uh, came on TV and we joked and laughed about how we've got a mate who loves the bounce and swears that Danny Frawley and uh, Jason Dunstall are the best comedy team on Australian TV. And so we were kind he of... He says it's Australia's best variety show. Best right? variety show, yeah. And so we left it on and we're sort of half watching it, you know, kind of ironically about, yeah, yeah. But what happened is halfway through that episode, we got into it. And then we watched another episode. We did. You said to me, actually, I've got more on tape. We did back-to-back episodes of The Bounce. <laughs> like, has you anyone the in the history of the week. world... <laughs> like, we binged. We binged The Bounce. Don't tell me what happens at the end of The Bounce. I want to binge watch the entire season at the end of the season. Well, as you accurately pointed out, because we were watching for a bit. So, okay, for anyone who hasn't really watched The Bounce, it's basically bullying, right? It's just like they'll have a segment. Oh, it's a clip show with a uh, little interspersed with bullying. So someone will play a clip, make a joke, and then everyone else will make fun of them for that joke. So basically, that's the formula. So it's a clip show with more segments than I've ever seen in any show <laughs> it's insane. in history. Like they go from one segment to the next segment to the next segment. It like they've obviously clearly never had a bad idea and they've decided to put every idea they've ever had. But the thing you notice after a while is while there might be 30 segments in a one hour episode of The Bounce, there's only about two fresh ideas. Yeah. It's essentially, it's 30 segments all to do essentially the same thing, which is to show a bit of footage, then somebody makes a joke, and then everybody else bullies them about the joke. That is the formula of the bouts. So basically, Jason Dunstall is the MC. He runs the show. Danny Frawley's yeah. the comic relief. And then there's two ex-footballers or an ex-footballer and a journalist who kind of like, they're more the straight men, I guess you would say. But the weirdest dynamic is there a lot. There is a live studio audience who do call and response. At one stage, where they cut to the crowd, and the front row was like eight teenage girls, and I just turned to you and was like, "Why are they there? Like, of the entire demographic, why would fourteen-year-old girls be interested in going to this old men bullies each other show?" I mean, it was one of those things where you were just like a bunch of, te- you imagine a bunch of teenage girls, you know, around at high school. What yeah. are you doing on the weekend? Oh, well, I'm going to download the new Taylor Swift album and I'm going to get into that. What are you doing on the weekend? Oh, well, you know, I was thinking of checking out the new Ed Sheeran, Justin Bieber. That's what I was going to do. Oh, I'm going to play Fortnite. What are you guys up to? We're going to go to a live taping of The Bounce. <laughs> I want to yell out bang when they show the golden fist moments. <laughs> Oh my god! I mean, I, I seriously asked you. I said, "What? What are these girls doing there?" And you, in a desperate attempt to justify, were like, "I don't know, Bernie Vince." <laughs> Bernie Vince is still an old man to a fourteen-year-old. If you think Bernie Vince is like the teen heartthrob that's bringing fourteen-year-olds through the turnstiles, I think you're sorely mistaken. 
Well, when your panel, though, is Jason Dunstall, <laughs> Danny Southern, Cam Mooney, Danny and Frawley. Bernie Vince, you tell me which of those four... Oh, sorry, yeah, Danny Frawley. Uh, which of those four is, are the teenage girls going for? It can only be Bernie Vince. My other favourite thing about it is, so ostensibly, it's a comedy show, but you, don't, you could not have someone less capable at comedy than Danny Frawley on the show. Like, he does these painfully laboured setups that you can pick from a mile off. He steps on the toes of other people trying to set up their jokes. Like, he is the joke, I guess. If you find him like... And look, to be honest, after we went back to back, I was like, you know what? <laughs> He's starting to win me over. <laughs> or maybe was it, did he win me over or was it uh, Stockholm Syndrome? <laughs> oh, I think it, yeah, it's Spudholm Syndrome. <laughs> But, we don't know what it is, but we find if people stare at Danny Frawley for long enough, it goes from being kind of weird and unexplainable <laughs> to just like irresistible. I can't stop watching him. What's he going to say? What's he not going to understand next? But you know what I was very impressed by was, was Jason Dunstall. I was like, you know what? Considering what his job is and what this show is, he's doing quite a good job. And then you brought out, you were like, well, you know, he did an episode last week where they had Isaac Smith on and he did this whole bit about not, not wanting to, that uh, Isaac Smith was dead to him. So every time Isaac Smith spoke, he ignored him. It's brilliant acting. And I watched it. And as an actor, I'm like, you're right, Will. That is brilliant acting. He was 100% committed to it. It was so well done. Who would have thought that the chief would be the Daniel Day-Lewis of Australia? We just find out that Jason Dunstall can't do the bounce next year because he's quit show business to become a cobbler. <laughs> Jason or the Dunst footy equivalent, a boot stutter. He'd, he'd, he'd become a boot stutter, of course. Jason Dunstall, become, yeah. Jason Dunstall becomes the go-to guy for Martin Scorsese. <laughs> I, just, I was in Australia. I flicked on the TV. I saw this thing called the bounce and I just could not look away. Uh, so... The AFL landscape has been turned on its head, Will. All the clubs that we said three weeks ago were sure things to finish top four have changed. Geelong, give me your assessment. Where are they at? The team that last year you said weren't going to make the finals and this year predicted will win the flag, where do you put them now? I still think that Geelong are one of the favourites for the flag. They're as much a favourite for the flag as any other team in the competition at the moment. They're a game clear still. While everybody's having, you know, one of those patches, I, I just get the feeling that Geelong, it might be a heavy training, it might be a just, you know, not quite putting the bodies on the line, looking for injuries or whatever, but I feel like they'll just warm it up a bit towards the finals again. And they're just having, you can't, you're probably in this competition can't win 10 in a row. Yeah. It's just not one of those seasons. And so the idea that they're winning every game now and then trying to roll through the finals to win every game isn't actually necessarily where they need to be. I, I wouldn't be panicking if I was Geelong. Okay, I'm going to go through the top eight now and you tell me who can't win it. Time capsule that'll come back to bite you like someone probably riding off the Bulldogs in 2016. Okay, Geelong. They can win it? Yep, they can, they can definitely win it. Brisbane. It's hard to see Brisbane win it because they haven't made the finals before and you'd think that, you know, that'll fall down. But having watched them play, I don't think there's any reason that they couldn't beat most of the other teams in it on their day. And if they just got a role going and a bit of hodgy experience and, you know, they could win it. I mean, I think they're unlikely to win it, but I think they can win it. West Coast Eagles. 
West Coast Eagles can definitely win it. Along with Geelong, they're probably the other favourites to win it. Collingwood. Collingwood, to me, can definitely win it still. Um, really? But, geez, they're going to have... Yeah, but it, not the way they're playing right now. Absolutely not. I don't think it's the injury... I don't think it's the uh, the form so much as injuries for me. I think that's the problem with Collingwood is, like, it's going to... as It's a long season, then you get to the finals. So the players were just holding it together, plus the players that they can't go to, plus the players that are suspended. I just feel like... Geelong still have a pretty clean bill of health. Brisbane Lions have a clean bill of health. Richmond are getting players back. I just feel like Collingwood, if you had to do it on like a numbers game and injuries, they've probably got the greatest challenge. Yeah, I agree with that. They've, they've definitely got some challenges in front of them. But I think at their best, they are still a very, very good... I mean, watching them against West Coast the week before, I mean, this week they were terrible. And I know that a couple of weeks ago, they weren't great either, but... Against West Coast, you know, you were like, well, this team can definitely win the premiership. So I'm still, yeah, no, still a chance, Collingwood. Absolutely. You know what? I'm such an idiot. Like, I'm the biggest backs against the wall kind of guy. Here I am giving you all the reasons that they can't make it. I take it back. Collingwood to win the flag. <laughs> can, can I? Th- well, absolutely, Charlie. Like, backs against the wall says that they're almost certainties for the yeah. flag. In fact, in an article I read uh, on Monday about that game, the article actually said the reason that GWS had won was because GWS had their backs so far against the wall. I think GWS are trying to adopt Collingwood's game plan. Maybe the fact that GWS have been struggling a bit is that Leon Cameron's looked at Collingwood and how good they are against the top teams when their backs are against the wall. And he's had to get the backs of his team against the wall. I don't think Phil Davis was even injured last week. I think Leon Cameron's just pulled him out to get their backs further against the wall. It's the only way you can beat the Pies. What about the Tigers? Yeah, well, the Tigers can. Mm. Like, absolutely. And they're the form team of the competition at the moment. But they've got to be the form team of the competition for the next 10 weeks to win the whole thing. And, and that it's still to see whether they can sustain that. Well, just looking... Uh, at the top eight. So if you want to look at form teams, so Brisbane have won the last five in a row. West Coast have won four out of the last five. They had that kind of close loss to Collingwood. Richmond have won the last four, the last four out of the last five. Uh, And then Essendon have won the last four out of their five. They had a loss five rounds ago, but have won the last four in a row. Um, I don't think Essendon can win it. I I, I don't think that they, uh, they don't convince me well enough to, to win it, but they could definitely make finals. And I guess if you make the finals, you can win it. What They'd about- be the one that imba- they're probably most likely to embarrass me. If I say that Essendon can't win it, they, they're the team that probably, if they all played well on their day, are most likely to embarrass you for saying that they can't win it. What about Caroline Wilson's uh, assertion that Richmond haven't beaten anyone in the top four, therefore uh, it's a false dawn? Yeah, Caroline Wilson does some pretty sneaky maths to make that point, though. Because, like, you know, there's some plenty of good teams that Richmond have beaten that are around, you know, fifth, sixth and seventh that have been even. So, you know, to, to use the proviso that they haven't beaten anyone in the top four, I think is a, is a weak measurement of, you know, Richmond. That's a typical Richmond supporter trying to play down, yeah. trying to keep the lid on it. Caroline yeah. Wilson has essentially done some dodgy mathematics so that she can keep the lid on it down at Richmond. What about GWS? Yeah, I think that if they play the way that they played on the weekend, they can win it. I, I would put them in the Collingwood category just from an injury perspective. But if they are following the Collingwood backs against the wall model, maybe this is their pathway to triumph. Yeah, the problem is that they haven't played with a backs against the wall style, you know, for 
their entire like it's part of Collingwood's DNA. It's like the shin bone of spirit, you know. Mm. They, like it's it it makes them who they are. Whereas GWS just adopting a backs against the wall plan, you know, it might not just come naturally to them. They might yeah. be so good at backs against the wall, they become successful, and then they realize when they look around, their backs are no longer against the wall. How do you feel about a responsible leadership, Toby Green? I like it. Except yeah. I'd like if they make it made it to the grand final and Toby Green was captain on grand final day that when they go to the toss, he karate kicks the other <laughs> captain. Like, so it's like it keeps him really well behaved up until grand final day yeah. where he just lets the old Toby out to play. Yeah, I'd like to see him do, you know, like the bottle top challenge that's going around? Mm. Rather than letting the person flip the coin, you just see him do like a roundhouse yeah. kick. It's some make-a-wish kid out on grand final day. <laughs> Toby just roundhouse kicks the coin out of his hand. No, what he does is, uh, like, so um, Shannon Hearn, for example, is jogging up to Toby Green on grand final day and uh, the kid co- tosses the coin and Toby spins around, roundhouse kicks the coin into Shannon Hearn's eye. <laughs> so he does- <laughs> like a, like a so ninja he- star, just buries it. <laughs> So there's no rule against that. Yeah. No rule that says I can't roundhouse kick the nin- the the coin in the Shannon Hearn's eye. So you're saying like the coin gets flipped and at its highest point he just leaps yeah. up Bruce Lee style yeah. round kick round around kicks the coin straight into Shannon Hearn's eye. No, I, I like it better if he round kicks it and, it, and the Shannon Hearn like goes to his throat. <laughs> That's more of a kung fu move, like just breaks his windpipe. All right, so you've already said that the Bombers can't win it in your estimation. And then uh, the last team in the top eight is the Adelaide Crows. They may not make the finals, so they'll struggle to win it from outside the eight. Okay, so here's a scary proposition. Can't win it. So that's six six of the eight teams that are in the eight that I think can still win the premiership, which is Is, a, a sign of a pretty open season. Is there anyone outside of the eight that could win it? Tell me, okay, so go through the go through the teams that are only one game away outside the eight. Port Adelaide. No, can't win it. Hawthorne. Of course. Of course they were. This was the year that Hawthorne win it. Hawthorne win it from tenth. Uh of course they can win it. Of yeah. course Hawthorne can fucking win it. Hawthorne can finish ninth and still find some way to fucking win it. Of course they can win it. Uh, Frio Frio are 11th that's crazy yeah no can't win it and then the Western Bulldogs I would find it very doubtful that the Bulldogs will make the finals little and win the premiership but if they made the finals looking at their draw on the way home to to make the finals we're going to have to beat the sort of teams that would then give you an incredible amount of confidence going into the going into the finals for the Bulldogs, we play well against the teams above us and we play shit against the teams below us. Yeah. So ideally, if we could finish eighth, that would be the prime spot because then we wouldn't have to play anyone who's below us on the ladder during the finals. So if we could sneak in in eighth, you never fucking know what we could do. And then you've got below that North, St Kilda and the Swans. Well, North and St Kilda are on 28 wins and the Swans on 24. So they're, they're, mathematically, if everyone else falls over, but, you know, I'd have to say Hawthorne to me... I just, it's just one of those things where like Hawthorne supporters have had so much to crow about, you know, being such a successful team over the last 20 years. But the one thing they've never done is come from ninth <laughs> to win a flag. And they need, so it's been a couple of years, it's been three years since they've had something to boast about. 
that that to me makes sense. I'm like, oh yeah, I don't think anyone would be surprised, right? Yeah. So seven teams. We've said this. Well, I I include Hawthorne. Yeah. I, I think that at least seven teams can still win the flag. <laughs> so you ignore Adelaide and Port Adelaide, who are eighth and ninth, and just jump straight to tenth. Absolutely. <laughs> Mike Howell, our American producer who barracks for the Hawks, says he's enjoying our positivity. I don't want you to confuse any of this with positivity. We no, would that's... not be positive. We we just it's just one of those things where you go, Oh yeah, okay. Yeah. All right. It's well, more that, like that's happened. It's like resigned to fate. It's like facing climate yeah. change. It's inevitable. Yeah. <laughs> If you're a North supporter, how are you feeling this week? I, I fine, absolutely fine, because North aren't probably going to make the finals, and I mean they could have. They, you know, they were having a run where they'd had a little bit of luck. Maybe they could make the finals. Mm. I think North almost outplayed Brisbane, and they were a bit unlucky at the end. Although I think the free kicks evened out. I thought I think there was a dodgy one to Ben Brown in the ruck contest just before the dodgy one down the other end. So I think that kind of evened out. Um, Do you think it affects Reese Shaw's chances of getting the job at all? Not not one bit. Right. Absolutely not one bit. In fact, the only thing that might actually, you know what? No, I think it doesn't. I think they played great. You know, they went up to Brisbane. They took Brisbane to within you know a kick basically in a game. Yeah, they started well. The brand of footy they're playing is is really good. You know, you, you look at North Melbourne now and you see some stars. No, I think he's done a really good job with them, Reese, and he'll he'll be right up there in the reckoning for who gets that job. And uh, everyone saw that Ben Cunnington uh, kicked the ball 50 metres the wrong direction, except he wasn't aware that he'd done that because no one in his team had the guts to tell him he kicked it the wrong way. No, and, and he hasn't seen any of the social media reaction because he doesn't have social media. This is Ben Cunnington, who famously didn't know that Brad Scott had been sacked. <laughs> Uh, well, he's taken that a step further now. He doesn't even know which way they're kicking. He ignores every bit of information that you can have about a game of football. <laughs> he's singly focused on the football. <laughs> so, okay, we've got the Crows and uh, Port, the two South Australian teams sitting at eighth and ninth. So, flip of a coin, maybe one of them could make funnels, maybe not. But is this a good position for them to be in? Who has a better list in your estimation, Adelaide or Port? Well, Adelaide has the oldest list in the league. So I think that's about to cause them some real issues. They're slow, they get, and they're old. And, you know, it's either, yeah, this is the year where they roll towards the premiership because they've had that sort of, you know, they've held on to players and gone, we can have another go at this. I think next season, if, if they finish outside the eight or if they finish eighth and get bundled out in the first week, they've just got to start looking at bringing in some speed and some young players and rotating out some of those that older end of their list. So, no, I would say Port Adelaide. On their day, Port Adelaide are a really great team, I think. Well, Port Adelaide have the more exciting youth for sure. With that, uh, they got that, you know, Butters and Rosie and uh, uh, Dersma. Oh, we should talk Dersma. about Dersma with the arrow. We like it. Yeah, I mean, obviously, um, I'd prefer if when Caroline Wilson was doing Caro's Arrow, she also did one of those. That's what I, I'd like to you say. You know what I think? Look, I, I think it's. I think this has been blown out of proportion. I don't think really anyone had a problem with it, but you got to write about something. But if people were going to react to something, like I think what the fans, maybe you heard the Tiger fans booing. You know what I think they really booed at? It was their head flick. The actress shooting the arrow, I'm like, whatever. But it was the little head flick he did, which is just a little, just a bit of mayo on top, which I think really would have riled people up. Well, I think it was his shout out to Hawkeye. 
<laughs> he'd heard the news. He'd heard the news from Comic Con there was going to be a Hawkeye series, and he he was just really excited about it. Wanted to give Hawkeye a and you know in some ways as a coach that's the you know Avenger that you want your that's the Avenger that you kind of respect because that's mm. your good honest player. That's who Hawkeye is. You know what I mean? Yeah. He's the guy who does the one percenters. He doesn't have the natural talents of a, a you know. Uh, of a Hulk. He doesn't have the, you know, technological advancements of an Iron Man. He's not a god like a Thor. He's just a guy who can shoot a bow and arrow. But, you know, he, he rocks up every day and he plays his part and he does the one percenters. Like, that's... You know, Hawkeye doesn't get star billing in the Avengers movie. But, you know, he's a co- he wins best clubman every year. It was funny seeing, like, the older, uh, you know, commentators, like the on-the-couch guys versus, say, like, the Fox footy guys in terms of their interpretation. Like, it's clearly like that generational thing. Paul Ruse, not a fan. Not a fan at all. No, well, Paul Ruse isn't a fan of his players actually kicking goals. <laughs> so the idea that they would then celebrate kicking those goals, I mean, it goes against everything he believes in. Speaking of goals, uh, we had a, a message sent to us on the Facebook page by Bryson. This is a, a link to a site called Useless AFL Stats, which I thought you might find interesting because I know... Okay. The Bulldogs' goal kicking has frustrated you as the Saints' goal kicking has frustrated me this year. So this is a reverse goals behinds ladder. So it's the AFL ladder if goals were worth one point and behinds were worth six points. You know who's on top of the ladder, Will? The Western Bulldogs. With 13 wins and four losses and a percentage of (laughs) 112. (laughs) St Kilda sit third on this ladder with 11 wins, six losses and a percentage of 113. Uh, Brisbane in between the two teams at 123%. You know who's right down the bottom? No, tell me who. Gold Coast. <laughs> so even <laughs> still in an alternative on, on reality. Any measure that we come up with, you are still the worst team in the competition. Okay, so the top eight in this uh, alternate universe is uh, Western Bulldogs on top of the ladder, 13 wins, four losses. Brisbane Lions are still in second. So Brisbane have achieved some kind of like beautiful equilibrium where no matter what iteration of the Lions you're talking about, they are second on the ladder. That's got to mean something, well, I guess right? That, I guess, well, you know what it probably does mean? It means that they have the team that has the most of the game from kicking straight. Because yes. clearly they're creating an incredible amount of scoring opportunities. So if they could convert, say, half of those behinds into goals, suddenly there are like a four or five yeah, goal better team. And that is a massive room for improvement, like in suddenly putting you in front of a bunch of other teams. Uh, GWS a fourth on that ladder. Port Adelaide, Richmond in sixth. Melbourne storm into the top eight in the alternate universe. And Collingwood round out the top eight. So it's that's an interesting thing, isn't it? Because goal kicking, you know, is one of those things that if you have a good day, it can really make such a huge difference. There was a lot of talk around the the tied grand final, the drawn grand final, and, you know, how they will separate that. And there's been uh, – and getting it in place. So at the moment, I think it's five minutes each way if right. there's a tied grand final now. And then they go to sort of golden point after that. But there's been a bit of talk around the competition committee and the idea that maybe a goal kicking, you know, it might bring back to yeah fo- people focusing on goal kicking if they went to golden if they went to like five minutes each way and if it was still even after five minutes each way then there was a a goal kicking penalty shootout style arrangement. How do you feel about that? I, I'm all for that. I like that. I mean, I think one thing the Saints have been terrible at goal kicking for a number of years now. Uh, the game. 
on Sunday against the Dogs was the first time we cracked 100 and first time for a long time that we've kicked more goals than behinds. And checking out some of the analysis of the game, what it tended to be about was not so much shots on goal because we, we had probably the same amount of shots on goal, but it tends to be where we're getting those shots on goal. We were going much more direct and getting them close to the goal square. It's the Tory Dixon model, Will. Anyone can be an accurate shot for goal when you're at the top of the goal square. Oh, we should uh, also mention from that game, probably the best bit of uh, a, a, a player's conversation being picked up by the mic was when Jake Carlisle and Tom Libertore were having a go at each other and the umpire's broken them up. And as Tom is jogging away from Carlisle, he's still having a go as he ran away. And he kept saying, unacceptable. That was unacceptable. Not acceptable at all. It is unacceptable. I'm not angry with you, Jake. I'm just disappointed. I am so disappointed with you. You know what? You go and, you go and think about it. Think about that. You go and think about what just happened. But I'm going to tell you, it was unacceptable. <laughs> Uh, no, I'm all for the the the, the goal kicking comp. So how would it work? So so it's like scores are tied, and do, is it extra time then goal kicking on top of that, or is it yeah, straight so to goal kicking? So five minutes each way. Yeah. So extra time, and then five minutes each way. So it's fair. And yeah. if it was still a tie at that point, you, you, there's a spot. At the suggestion at the moment is it's like you know, 35 meters out straight in front. You know, kick by kick, like they do in a you know sort of a soccer game to mm. decide it. But I would like to see it even go a step further than that. Maybe like, you know, like your NBA three-point competition. Yeah. So like the first kick is from straight in front, but then the second kick is from 35 metres out, like on the boundary. And so then it kind of demonstrates you've got your player who's your good set shot, but then you've got to get your player who's good at like kicking a banana from the, the sidelines. Well, what I'd like to see is, you know, that basketball game horse where you mm. take a shot from somewhere and another person has to match it. So you flip a coin. Hopefully Toby doesn't kick the coin into someone's face again. <laughs> you flip a coin. One team goes first and then you match it because then I think it's cool. So you can decide, all right, do we get our long range specialist up first or do we get like our tricky yeah. boundary line guy first? And because that way, you know, uh, the team you're playing, their forward pocket boundary line specialist might be injured. They've got no Eddie Betts, for instance. So you're like, great, we'll get our forward line specialist to have a crack. I love it. I think yeah. that's absolutely perfect. Yeah, it goes by the rules of horse. Yeah, and you have to spell out what. Well, what do you have to spell out? Because not horse. Well, it can't be horse. It's too closely associated with John Longmire. So yeah, exactly. But what could it be? Like premiership might take too long. Because <laughs> <laughs> also it'd have to be Toyota AFL premiership. Yeah, that, that's that's a whole other day. I mean, it has to be a quintess. I mean, is it a quintessential Australian like an animal? That isn't a mascot, like Wombat or something? What if, for example, <laughs> they bring back the replay, but you don't come back and play a game of football. You come back a week later and it's a giant game of horse. Yeah. So that's all, the crowd all come back for that. And Trick yes, shots. They have to get, and they have to get to premiership. It'll yeah. take like an hour and a half and we just see them play a giant game of horse. And I, and I, I would take it one step further where... On the weekend, we were saying how we love when like clubs upload videos from training of players doing trick shots. Like there was a great one from a few weeks ago where it was JJK just nailing a shot, not just from the boundary line, about 20 metres behind the boundary line, still in the sheds at training. He managed to bend it around. So I reckon bring him back. 
after the replay, bring, no replay, bring him back the second week for a game of horse, but shots from anywhere count. <laughs> from yeah, exactly. Anywhere. No restrictions. Yeah. And in fact, like, you know, again, incorporating a bit of that NBA flavor, yeah. you know, that, that you allow them to kind of bring in props like they do in the slam dunk competition. Yeah. So if, say, for example, <laughs> like, you know, like one of them wants to kick it from a moving back, you know, the cars they drive the uh, retired players around. Yeah, like, yeah. So, for example, one of them could be like Nick Sahodji in the car and kicking it from a moving car, or they could be up next to Meatloaf or Birds of Tokyo and they oh. could kick it from there. That's even better. Like, I reckon, just say you've got a player. Okay, this is like, it's kind of like the golden goal thing. So just say you've got a player who's retired that year. If that player can kick it from the moving car going around the boundary line, you win. <laughs> oh, hang on. What's that up in the sky? It's uh, Shannon Hearn in the Goodyear Blimp. <laughs> There was something else actually we talked about on the weekend, which I think is a good point of discussion, is I was saying to you, what is the AFL equivalent of a slam dunk? Because on one hand, like running into an open goal and roosting it into the stands, you know, that is like, that's the equivalent, that's the emphatic point scoring that's the equivalent of a slam dunk. But it doesn't have the trick element of a slam dunk. There's no spinning or passing it through the legs or whatever. So I was saying, what if... When a player's running to an open goal, they also do some tricks. So a guy's running to an open goal, he grabs the ball in one hand, does a cartwheel and kicks the ball through. Or he does some kind of scissor kick, passes the ball between his legs and kicks it through the goal. A bit like, I guess, what Jack Higgins did when he won goal of the year. Is that something that you could endorse? Like players who start doing trick shots when they're running into an open goal? Well, not just trick shots, but I think because we, we were trying to toss up whether the high mark or the kick the boot into the stands from the goal square is the slam dunk. And neither of them quite fit. No. I think you've come up with the exact right thing, which is the Jack Higgins. Yeah. If you can get the ball and kick the ball before you hit the ground, double points. <laughs> yes. Should count as double points. Totally. Because what you can then start doing is bringing in things like alley-oops. Like I know sometimes like, you know, an Alan Jakovic will kick it out of midair, but like an actual plan, you've got a guy running in along the boundary line. There's a dude streaming down the middle, calling for it in the goal square. You just pop it over his head and allow him to do some insane like spinning kick for goal. Well, then you're going to get players riding their own players as well. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Like you just put mummy down in the goal square and Toby Green just runs up and like, you know, scissor kicks off the top of his head constantly. <laughs> do you know what I mean? This is like, this is a really good idea. I mean, Liam Ryan. Like oh, this, amazing. This is really making Liam Ryan the most valuable player in the competition. 100%. So would it, would it be a thing where we could also do like when there's on bye week, we bring the best players in like a slam dunk contest where you do trick shots and that's when you can have a guy like leaping over a car as he does his kick and all that kind of stuff. Yeah, absolutely. In fact, that's a, what a great idea for the, the all-star round. We have a little all-star state of origin sort of, yeah, mid-season and yeah, trick shots. Well, AFLX is going to be scrapped. So, I mean, mm. that makes sense. Like coaches Sad have... news. <laughs> Vale. Sad news. Pour one out. Pour one out for AFLX. But coaches... I just uh, bought my Rampage membership for next season. <laughs> <laughs> but coaches get so uh, like uh, funny about you know players getting injured and stuff. So we say, okay, well, there's no actual kind of 
contact or anything. It's just a trick shot competition. Just send us down your five best trick shot players and we'll set up a series of kind of like NBA style slam dunk competitions. And I think it'd be like a bit like your uh, ice slide. Yeah, your freeze MND, right? Yeah. Get them yeah, all dressed up in costumes. Exactly. It's, it, it's kind of bringing a bit of Mad Monday flavor to mid-season, you know? <laughs> yeah, totally. You get Fev coming out with a dildo sticking out of his pants. <laughs> but that's great. Like, can you imagine if one of the Carlton players, you know, like they've got Harry Mackay or somebody like that, you know, doing their goal-kicking competition, and they're like, what, what tricks are you going to do? And then you just see that he's brought Fev out, and Fev's got a giant oversized <laughs> pink dildo that is part of the... <laughs> Speaking of uh, Carlton and inappropriate images... There's a photo that I put on Twitter yesterday that I sent to you, which if you want to check it out, go to my Twitter page. We have to discuss it. It is a photo from the 80s. And as far as I can tell, what is going on is that Steve Kernahan is on his way back from the showers in the dressing room, has been stopped by his father and his two young sons and asked for a photograph, which Styx is obliging by. But he's standing there completely naked, (laughs) signing an autograph book, while these two kids just stand there Pretty much at eye level with his penis. Yeah. I mean, that's a day they'll never forget. (laughs) The day they found out why he was called Sticks. (laughs) I mean, but what was going on in that moment? Like, not even put, like, he's holding a towel in his hand. Like, he could have just put the towel around his waist. I mean, I know people say it was a different time, but I don't remember it being that different. I mean, I think that I remember at country footy clubs and stuff, the kids going into the dressing room after the games and like having a shower with the, the players and stuff. So now I think there was something about once you're inside the, it's like gym rules, you know, where suddenly people just get naked in front of each other, you know, in the, in the change rooms at the gym. Like, yeah. I think there was a bit of that in country football. Like once you just got inside, it was all, it was fine. This is a good lesson for the kids. They can come out and learn how to play footy. And they can come out and learn a few facts of life as well. <laughs> but do you reckon that would fly these days? You and I have both gone into the rooms after a game. I don't, I've never recalled seeing any players just strutting around nude. Like that, that part of the, 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 the warm down is kept well away from the general public these days. Yeah, no, there's no... Well, because there's cameras and stuff in there, for a start. (laughs) Like, I mean, it's a weird bit of roaming Brian if he's roaming through the Bulldogs dressing room and suddenly he runs into Caleb Daniels' cock, (laughs) which I would hope is massive, disproportionate (laughs) to the rest of his body. And uh, and it's got a little rubber helmet. Caleb's walking around still in a helmet. Um, all right, should we look ahead to the games next week? We should. Uh, once again, I uh, am going to preempt my cow by bringing it up. Okay, Friday night, blockbuster, absolute humdinger, fourth versus fifth, the Mighty Pies taking on the Resurgent Tigers. How far are the Pies backs to the wall, Will? Pretty, I, I would say Richmond go into this favourite, which is good news for Collingwood. Mm. Um are they far enough back to the wall? Gee, they're a fair way back against the wall after the last week, I would have thought, yeah. Charlie. Um, uh, questions around, yeah, Buckley's definitely been a bit grumpy this week. Um, mm. Controversy because Jaden Stevenson's had the nerve of 
having his family take a photo of him when he's on holidays. <laughs> I don't know. Like, you know, it seems to me like there's a bit of just random Collingwood chatter at the moment, which is a good position for the Pies to be in. Backs against the wall, Richmond flying form team of the competition. Tom Lynch was on fire last week. Rewalt's back. Like, this feels to me, it's got a big sniff of backs being against walls. Yeah, I agree. And I think that a large factor in that is the Tigers' resurgence. The fact that the Tigers are roaring. The fact that the Tiger fans have got a bit of a spring in their step. That's, you know, Caroline Wilson's trying to keep a lid on it. But you talk to your, you know, your meat and potatoes Tiger supporter and they're, they're rubbing their hands together about what the final series is going to bring. So that's per- a perfect opportunity to have their win taken out of their sails by a team which, mind you, has beaten them, what, the last three times they've played in quite humiliating fashion. Yeah, I, I think uh, that's the only thing that outweighs it, the fact that Collingwood has a good record against Richmond. That mm. takes their backs slightly yeah. <laughs> away from slightly the off the wall. <laughs> yeah. Like Michael that's, Jackson, it's, a, the back, it's, it's off the wall, slightly off the wall. Yeah. So you've got to kind of work out whether you think historical form yeah. means their backs are not against the wall or the fact that Richmond are flying and Collingwood are spluttering means yeah. that their backs are against the wall. Pre-2017 Premiership, the calculation would be easy. Richmondy overpowers backs against the wall. So that means Collingwood win. <laughs> like, but Richmondy is not such a factor anymore, so you can't really... You know, we talk about teams' DNA. It doesn't really count, so it doesn't really factor in. But I'm still going to say Collingwood to win this. Yep, I'm going to go with back. I'm, I, I've learnt my lesson. I'm st- if I feel like the backs are against the wall, I'm picking Collingwood. Backs against the wall, lock it in. On Saturday, uh, the Premiership fancies the Hawthorne Hawks <laughs> take on the second place Brisbane Lions. Tenth placed Premiership fancies the Hawks take on if the Brisbane Lions. If we're talking about talking about DNA, it's the DNA of it does not matter where Hawthorne are on the ladder; they're still Premiership favourites. <laughs> Like Hawthorne are like Liam Neeson in a movie where someone's been kidnapped. You just know that he will hunt down the rest of them and possibly kill them. That's exactly. They're the John Wick of the AFL. You just go to watch them (laughs) just carve their way through teams. Yeah, the the John Wick, except that Clarko is the person who kills his own dog. (laughs) Just to motivate them. Um, okay, so to the University of Tasmania. So I think that actually makes Hawthorne a four-goal better side. I think Brisbane haven't dropped a game in five rounds due for a loss. Hawthorne playing okay football. If Brisbane win this, then I reckon they are... The, I mean, look, they're the real deal, but you've got to sort of say they're the real deal, real. Uh. <laughs> no Harris Andrews, which I think is a massive loss for Brisbane. Yeah, but who, but, is, but who would he be going to anyway? Mitchell Lewis, Mitch Lewis, I suppose. But it's less about who he plays directly on and more about the organisation of their back line. Mm. That he just is that intercept mark. He is, he, I think he's the best backman in the competition, Harris Andrews. Easily. Um, I, I'm, I'm, I'm going to go with Brisbane are due to lose one. And I reckon this is a, Hawthorne haven't beaten Hodgie, I think, when he's been up there. Or and uh, or they have they have a pretty bad record against Fagan as well. Maybe Fagan knows Hawthorne. He knows the Clarkson style. But I'm going to say Tassie. It's about as far away from Brisbane as you can get. Cold day in Tassie. Hawthorne win. 
Yeah, I feel like the Hawks are going to win this one as well. So I'm going to tip Brisbane. (laughs) Saturday afternoon, the Mighty Blues take on the Crows at the MCG. Uh, Should David T get the job at Carlton, Will? Uh, I... He's getting a lot of support from the players. Well, That's the funny will say. thing is, like, and I hadn't really considered this, but when people have pointed out his assistant coach experience, he's just as experienced as anyone else you're likely to look at. No, and he's he's certainly qualified. His record as an assistant coach stacks up against, if you're going to give the job to an assistant coach, his record's as good. And if he keeps, if they win on the weekend, it's going to get harder to not give him the job. He basically, he has a really great opportunity to audition over the next four or five weeks. If they continue to keep winning and keep playing the way they're playing, then he's definitely going to be in the mix for the job. And he, and I think he's representing himself well. He's representing Carlton well. He's pretty popular there. But if they got, you know, thrashed by the Crows on the weekend in Melbourne, then, you know, it, it's probably not going to help his cause much. I reckon Carlton are going to win this one. I reckon That's- Carlton win this one and the Crows are out of the eight. Well, it's funny, actually. Crows are favourites going into this game, but I wouldn't have thought that and it's 16th versus 8th but it feels a lot closer doesn't it yeah no I would have thought the Crows should still be favorite but I I just this is the week where the Crows need to have a huge reaction to what they've done statement and I just I don't know I just don't know it'll you know it's I I I just I got a feeling Carlton will win this I've got that feeling too I just have no faith in the Crows this year I'm going to pick Carlton as well over in the west the Eagles take on North at 2.35, which uh, must be, what, 4th? No, we're there, 4.35 for the East Coast. Eagles taking on North. What do you reckon? I reckon this would be a good game, actually. Third versus 13. Oh, it should be a really good game. Two really hard teams. Um, gee, you know, Two good, good game for the shin bonus spirit. Yeah. Yeah. And North bouncing back, like wanting to... Wanting to make amends for a game that they could have won last week. People think the Eagles are shaky, but I don't know. At home, I just feel like that crowd gets them across the line. I'm going to pick the Eagles in this game. Look, I, I think the Eagles will probably win it, but just for fun. For funsies, Charlie. Yeah. I'm going to say North Melbourne, and that's my lock of the week. Saturday night in Victoria, the mighty Saints, the resurgent Saints. Brett Ratton St. Kilda <laughs> takes on the Demons. <laughs> Ah, uh, interesting. Demons, interesting game this demons one. are going in as favourites. They've been good in their, you know, they've lost the last couple, but they've been very competitive. But yeah, they are 17th on the ladder. <laughs> yeah. So they are beneath so, Carlton. So really, they haven't been fine. Really, no. they've been terrible. <laughs> they, they basically nearly won the premiership last year and they're coming 17th. So despite the fact that we're saying that they've been okay, they have not been okay. Does this, um, mean, does this mean Simon Goodwin is under the most pressure of all the coaches next year? Next year? Yeah, yeah. I would say going into the season. Yeah, absolutely. Well, I guess um, if Ken Hinckley keeps his job, he's also under a lot of pressure next year. Oh, Ross Lyon. Uh, There's going to be a lot of coaches under pressure next year if they if, if the current coach I mean, that's if Ross Lyon is still same. at Fremantle and not coaching the Saints. Yeah. So, um, all right. Uh, I mean... I. Saints. Saints. Yeah, Saints. Why not? Saints. Two in a row. Over in Adelaide, the power take on the Giants. And a huge game for both clubs, really. This could get the power back into the eight. The Giants need to consolidate. Could probably move as high as... Oh, no, they can't move that much higher. 
who wins this game? An injury-depleted Giants versus Port Adelaide at home. So Port should win this game, which means they'll lose. And that's my luck of the week. <laughs> Giants to win. I would suggest that Port's, uh, Port's been incredibly flaky and disappointing a lot of the time, whereas the Giants proved last week that they are absolutely flying. So based on the fact that I believe that Port shouldn't win this game, I believe they will win this game. So using the same logic as you, but in reverse, I'm going to say Port Adelaide win. Reverse logic, brilliant. On Sunday, the Bulldogs take on the Dockers. That's, that's, uh, that's Port's DNA. Whatever you think they should do, just reverse it. Yeah. And I think that they should win, uh, should lose, so I'm going to say they win. Uh, on Sunday, uh, the coveted time slot of one ten at Marvel Stadium, the Bulldogs take on the Dockers. Uh, well, I mean, if we don't win this, um, then it's incredibly disappointing. But they are below us on the ladder, aren't they, the Dockers? So danger no, for us. No, they're above you. <laughs> oh, okay, Bulldogs. Bulldogs win. <laughs> Everything's fine. <laughs> Luke Beveridge to take another step towards his conversion into a human bulldog hybrid. Uh, I picked the bulldogs as well. Uh, Swans take on the cats at the SCG. Cats. Cats for me. And final game of the round, Suns taking on the Bombers at Metricon Stadium. Uh, Bombers. Bombers. All right, that's the show for this week. Um, You can check us out on Facebook and Twitter. If you want to see that photo of Six Kernahan, go to my Twitter page, which is at CX Clawson. Will, you anything to promote? Darwin, still a few tickets available for Mobile Legal Show, which is about a month from now, but getting quick uh, there, it's going to sell out. Play on, not 15. Ball. We are two guys, one car.